0: Hello and welcome to another edition of The Legal Geeks. I'm here, as always, with my blogging buddy, Josh Gilliland. Hey, Josh, how are you?
1: I am excellent, Jessica. <laughs> how are you?
0: I am good. We are here tonight to talk about two of my favorite shows. Actually, the end of one kind of odd, neat mini-show that they do now. This is the second winter in a row that they've done it, and in the beginning of the show that takes this place. We are talking, of course, about two of the Marvel properties. The first one being Agent Carter, one of my favorites, I have to say. I'm just loving that more and more every year. Um, And then the other one being Agents of of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is always awesome. So uh, we're going to talk about the two tonight. We just saw the first episode of the spring season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and we can also talk about what happened this year in Agent Carter. So, Josh... Why don't you kick us off with some of your thoughts?
1: I have many. So I, (laughs) (laughs) I, both shows are marvelous. They are timely, if you will. That being said, Carter was a lot of fun this season. And so where you have, it's like, I love Daredevil. I love Jessica Jones and they're dark and they're brutal. Agent Carter went the, it's okay to have fun direction. They they had- were in
0: L.A. in like the great heyday, the golden era of you know movie making. So the studios, come on, it's fun. It was
1: fun. They had great humor. Sousa yeah. especially had humor from "Who is that clown?" to "I swear <laughs> to God, I'm on my last nerve." And it's like I I really identify with him. Brock on he, he just great. That was a lot of fun. And they had great legal issues, in my opinion, reminded me a little of Leslie Nielsen's police squad with the SSR oh. scientist in the back who's doing all the different experiments. He's, yes, true. He, he's just a heartbeat away from doing experiments where they do accident <laughs> recreation with somebody getting shot. And, and the, well, you see, Peggy, cats have lungs and thus need air to breathe. <laughs> They're a heartbeat away from that. And I enjoyed it. That was fun. So some of the legal things that I saw in it that I appreciated, those writers actually have a good grasp of the law. They know that when Peggy was going around the the arena club putting in wiretaps without a warrant, like that was bad. And you had Thompson saying, You needed a warrant. Like he actually it's like, okay, somebody's actually read the Fourth Amendment. Yay. Follow the law. Woo-hoo. It's like, and then they dealt with corruption, like with the federal judge being on the take. And it's like, okay, so they actually, mm-hmm. they're doing good stuff here. Uh, there was this weird thing with Peggy littering. And the first being when she was with Wilkes and they go to the bakery to get changed so they can make the phone call. And she throws the donut on the ground. And that would be littering by today's laws. Now, we didn't quite have the same littering laws in 1947 in California that we do today because there was this thing called the 70s. No
0: concerns about stuff then. Yes, I know. I'm like, no environmentalism in the
1: 40s. You know, people driving along, throwing things out the car window. It's like, dude. Yes. It's so – I don't know why she – I think she did that twice with throwing stuff on the ground. It's like – Wow. It's, it's like, that's weird. I, I, granted, she was frustrated, and I get that, but it's like, that's totally littering. And other issues, they kept flirting with excessive force. So after they break Dottie out of the SSR holdings facility – Susa shoots her with a neck, uh, net, Pardon me. Yes. and Peggy stuns her. Well, being on the safe side, she stunned her again.
0: Yeah, I thought that second one, that was bothersome, actually. I was like, you know what, Agent Carter, I expect better of you, even when it does come to Dottie. And I have to interrupt here for a second and say, you know, Dottie in season one was scary, but I didn't really, you know, she wasn't a big bad that you like. I love Dottie this season. In fact, my only complaint about this season was there should have been more Dottie. Like, she was awesome. I love how she actually, the only person she liked and respected was Peggy. Um, She thought the rest of them were a bunch of jokes. So I just wish we had seen more of Dottie because I was really enjoying her in this season. Her interrogation
1: torture scene was excellent. Just well acted because she showed no fear. It's like, I pulled out my own teeth with pliers. There's nothing you can do to me. Ha, ha, ha. And then Whitney Frost walks in, and it's like, oh, that was not what I wanted to see happen. And it things got real.
0: Alien powers are a little bit scary, yes. It did remind me, too, I'd say, interjecting for another second, back to old... Ev Geeks now, I think, is it old? The, that's a pilot scene of Alias where um, Sydney Bristow gets her teeth pulled, actually. And again, very badass about it. And I'm just thinking, holy freaking fudge, like, I would not want to even try to survive that. So it actually, it made me think back to Alias and her pilot episode with the awesome pink hair.
1: Well said. The, it made me think, because again, this is how I roll, what are the rules for excessive force? And the jury instruction to bring a claim for excessive force under the Fourth Amendment, because we are dealing with federal agents here, is a plaintiff must establish that the amount of force used was not objectively reasonable under the particular circumstances. Dottie was netted, shocked, unconscious, and then Peggy zapped her once more for Jesus. And that. (laughs) I mean, Dottie bounced. It's like, you can't do that. <laughs> you know? No. It, case law where somebody, like, you know, where you have police excessive force, where somebody gets stunned, the second stun if somebody's on the ground and incapacitated is excessive force. So they did, they showed Peggy using excessive force. And then with the CEO of Roxon getting the lobotomy zap, uh, how much brain damage did he get from that? So there's there's that. Uh, Yeah. Other things. Yeah. Over and over and over. So Howard Stark employing all those women as production assistants. I really hope they had a good, good contract. So it doesn't sound like legalized prostitution. And uh, that that could be bad. Um, 50 yes, shows. you
0: would think that he would have an issue nowadays. Back in those days, you know, you could harass women and just get away with it. It was a good time. Nowadays, hopefully, there would be some serious issues about some different uh, workplace situations that he would create. That being said, again, I do like Howard Work in season one. It took me a while to warm up to him, but I found him very enjoyable in uh, this season, especially there at the end. I liked him a lot, so I enjoy it when he shows up on screen now.
1: He is fun. He is fun. He's a fun actor, but it was just one of those Scratching my head, it's like, oh God, you know, it's like that's a swimming pool full of women that you're all paying to hang out with you. That's <laughs> that's yeah. not okay. No, no. Um, uh, they did have awesome outfits, and watching this did make me think of both grandmothers from the pictures of from their prime. So it's like I, that's one of the other things I enjoyed. But the thing Aww. I probably enjoyed the most is that Peggy dreams in show tunes. <laughs>
0: Yes, that was an interesting development this year, you know, and I don't know if it's if they were inspired by one of my new favorite shows, My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which has really been using excellent musical numbers, um, or some of these live musical productions. But it is kind of interesting that in a lot of shows, because actually, Jane the Virgin just did kind of a whole water ballet sort of thing. I'm like, it's very interesting that these musical numbers and sort of these throwbacks to old Hollywood, they are getting a lot of play on hip, cool TV shows these days.
1: Yes, and for the record, we will not be breaking into show tunes at any point in time. <laughs> I don't have the skill set to do it, even though on a recent road trip with a buddy, we did break into Bohemian Rhapsody, because that was. Nice. It'd, be, it'd be wrong not to. But I can say we will <laughs> not have a Legal Geeks musical podcast because I, I can't. I.
0: The I have no musical talent. I could offer up my kids could do a lovely recorder slash car- clarinet kind of performance. Um, they do that at home a lot for me, so I'm happy to share that with everyone. I'm sure they would love that. But yeah, aside until we get to that
1: episode, there'll be no music and, and no dancing.
0: It, I can't dance either.
1: You know, since it's an audio production, we could have interpretive <laughs> dance because no one would see it. So that that would be fine. Now. What were some of your feelings from Agent Carter this year?
0: I have been very distracted lately, so I've not been focusing as much on the legal issues as you have. So I've kind of been watching in between doing a variety of other things, but I did enjoy the season a lot. It's funny that I would say this because I love the winter and I'm not big on places that are warm all the time, but I actually enjoyed the LA setting very much. I liked, there was a lot of girl power, you know, the various women actually liked each other. They didn't have to be catfighting over a guy. So I thought that was awesome. I love the introduction of Jarvis's wife. She was fantastic. Jarvis is adorable and funny as always. Um, And I have to say, I was very happy. One of my favorite actors who pops up all over the place can never quite get his own show to stick, but is Ken Marino. He played, was it Manfredi, the, the gangster? I have loved him ever since Veronica Mars. You know, I loved him through Party Down, loved him in Marry Me, Wet Hot American Summer. I'm a big fan of his. So anytime he shows up on screen, I'm happy to see him. So I thought uh, he did a great job with uh, his role this season.
1: He was a lot of fun, and I'm still confused on why Howard Stark knows a mobster. But that's...
0: I'm not. That's I mean, it's like the whole Frank Sinatra thing, right? I think it's that whole the Hollywood mobster connection. Even heck, gets Shorty with Travolta and Gandolfini. So I do. I can. I thought it was funny, and I like the way they interacted. I'm like, I could actually see back in the day, you know, the mobsters who are running Vegas and the Hollywood big shots all kind of having like in a Venn diagram. There would be some overlap there.
1: Yeah, and because the mobsters want business to be good, too. Yes. Not that that in any way is an endorsement of the mob, but that's... Not that we are calling them out either. We don't need to make any enemies, Josh. (laughs) No, I don't believe the mob exists. They're just getting harassed. They're just good business people. Please don't hurt me. I like my kneecaps. So let's let's have a little fun and, and think about... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ooh, which was
0: interesting. Nice comeback tonight. I enjoyed tonight's episode a lot. How about you?
1: I enjoyed it a lot, and I really enjoyed the fact they are now official once again, because that was really bothering me with them being that rogue. Are they official, though? See,
0: I was actually bothered by that tonight, where it's kind of a whole wink-wink sort of thing. I'm like, in a way, I actually prefer them being totally rogue. I'm not comfortable with our government being like, you don't exist, but you do exist, you know, kind of this whole gray thing that there isn't any
1: civilian supervision over. So that bothered me a lot. So about that, since I I had a... Let's just say that there was someone on the East Coast who is in the judicial branch of government who shot a note saying, "You want to research this right now," and <laughs> and, and so I was able to do a little research prior to to tonight's podcast because Ooh, again, nice. we, have, we we have you know an East Coast person who said, "I will help you," and hey, you want to look at this because it made me think I, I had a huge problem with that because yes it's good that the president the fictional president of the United States said like hey I don't know how you guys are still in existence it's like they should all be shot on sight at this point in time we've we've gone over the long list of crimes that go from racketeering to treason to insurrection that they've committed and it was good to see the fictional president Ellis say the public doesn't forget crashing helicarriers in D.C. it's like good they, there would have been hearings over that people, Yes. people aren't going to let that one slide the president's authority for black ops has some interesting twists and turns because yeah. Congress does want to know what the hell's going on. Right. Now, there are cases where what is appropriate presidential power and then what isn't. So when you think back to the Constitution and separation of powers and who's supposed to do what, yes, Congress declares war, the president fights it. The president, with executive authority, has a concentration of power and being able to get stuff done. You know, we do have. Uh, it was started in '76, and I just read over the hearing transcript and the report from the creation of the Senate Intelligence Committee. And the the person who testified for the CIA was the then-director George H.W. Bush.
0: Yes.
1: The minority-ranking member was Barry Goldwater. And it's it's a good read of, hey, we want to know what's going on, but, like, what's the right balance here? Huh. So – looking at a couple law review articles and I'll put the citation in, in in the podcast notes that there are different ways to look at like what fits going back to the founding fathers on what can the president do black op wise and what can Congress do now the president can't outright violate the law. And so Good. employing shield I think would be doing that. So that's a yeah. problem with fictional president Ellis examples of Uh, Presidential power being used in war-making situations and and convert uh, operations range from um, emergency situations that that I think Shield could fall under. Uh, Those would be Lincoln building up the army after getting sworn in. Uh, States are in rebellion. Congress is not there to to act yet, and so that was an emergency. FDR sending troops to Iceland and lend lease and getting ready for World War II before we were in World War II would -hmm. have been emergency-type responses. And there are different views from, say, like what John Jay's point of view would be, to what Madison's point of view would be, to what Justice Jackson in the Steel Seizure case gets into what is appropriate presidential authority and what would what is the purview of congress so shield should because be because under- we don't have like our
0: constitution does not provide for
1: an emergency powers kind of situation so yeah but we still look at what's an emergency and being able to to do it as opposed to an implied power uh, so there is the we're going to do this by executive orders to response and it's never fully been challenged in court because right. you, always, you always have the struggle between Congress and the president, which is the way it's supposed to be. We want yeah. that oversight taking place. However, if there is a clear and present danger to the United States, we do want the president saying, Yeah, we're going to fight this. However, the president can't just create an agency out of thin air uh, because that does require funding, which means you need Congress involved. And Congress, has a responsibility to the American people and also article one of the constitution to provide oversight, provide funding. They want to know what's going on because you don't elect, elect a King. So Ellis's use of shield. It's like, yeah, he could have the ATCU, which in theory by now should have some congressional approval to exist So in theory, creating a black op unit, that's something that governments do. That's something our government has done. Mm -hmm. But for me, I look at this and go like, S.H.I.E.L.D.S. conducted their own foreign policy in violation of the Logan Act. They've decided who to kill, which would not conform with our standard policies on targeting someone for death. And so there are some big issues where... Phil Coulson's decided to commit murder, as did Jana Simmons. So, everybody in Shield needs a pardon. Yeah, that, one, that wasn't discussed. Either Congress needs to pass an amnesty act, or everyone in uh, Shield gets a mulligan from so. yeah from the, from the president, going like, "Okay, don't do any of that again," because you still have to follow the Constitution.
0: Well, but even if you do have that, I mean, even tonight, for example, one of the things that struck me is when they captured, essentially arrested and imprisoned. I forget what her real name was, but Matt called her Yo-Yo, the new inhuman that I liked a lot, the Colombian woman. But I'm like, all right, so this is from somebody, you know, outside the United States, really involved in a very domestic, local kind of issue, possibly stealing guns from the police, even if her motivations were very good. basically arresting or kidnapping her depending on how you want to look at it and imprisoning her then back outside of columbia i'm like all right there are all kinds of jurisdictional territorial kind of issues there sovereignty you know authority to act major issues with that
1: yeah that's what we call an act of war yeah (laughs) so like that's not okay now it did look like shield posing as who doctors, again, i was not uh. sure, but it looked like World Health Organization on their cards. Okay. Going in, but that doesn't give them jurisdiction to arrest people. But no. didn't. So there were all these problems with the actions that they took in Colombia without the authorization of the Colombian government because mm-hmm. no country likes their citizens being kidnapped and imprisoned. If that started happening in the United States, there would be rioting. It would not yes. if the UN suddenly started No, we're gonna arrest people, cops would open fire on the blue helmets. <laughs> Our army would be fighting the UN army at that point in time. Yes. So, so we don't do that. So no.
0: So that was the big red flag for me tonight. That and the whole, you know. You're not really going to exist, but you're going to exist. So it does seem like S.H.I.E.L.D., as always, likes to live in kind of a very gray zone from a legal perspective. Agent Coulson, you know, again, it's one of those things, well, well, he seems like a good guy, but this is also why we have laws because it doesn't matter if you're a good guy or a bad guy. You're supposed to follow these rules because it's always scary to give that much power to one person. And he does seem definitely like a man on the verge of a nervous
1: breakdown. Yeah, and you really don't get to boss around the president. Yeah, that's, that's not how it works. Because you, he, he should have had a far more uh, respectful tone to the president, as opposed to I know what's going on and you don't. It's wrong, you know. It's like it's a thing that you should all be shot on sight at this point in time. It doesn't matter if you've saved the day. You fired on the U.S. military. You've broken into U.S. bases. You've conducted your own foreign policy. Mm-hmm. We're running around with an aircraft carrier. Yeah. None of that's okay. No, you know, that carrier should have been sunk with a nuke, and we would have done that within a week if that if a real aircraft carrier had gone rogue and dark for a week, we would have hunted it and killed it. So, like the hunt for an October in reverse. Yeah, yeah, and again, it would be. Uh, no, Ooh, or that. Airwolf. I'm going back like '80s, old school, and, and air that's magical for its own reasons. With Airwolf, <laughs> I you love know. Airwolf. I'll never give up Airwolf. We need to talk about Donald belisaro and <laughs> Bowser oh, and oh. Magnum. Dark Angel, J.
0: Michael Vincent, Stringfellow Hawk. Oh man, oh I love that show so much.
1: It's it good, good. Anyway, good. sorry.
0: That's the right <laughs> answer.
1: That's the right answer. That was a cool helicopter that went rogue. Yeah, but it's not an aircraft carrier with nuclear weapons. (laughs) But it was a really badass helicopter. They weren't launching missions into China. (laughs) Again.
0: String may have gone there looking for his brother. He was always searching for his brother.
1: And that's okay. But starting a war is bad. And that's the problem I've had with S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, I'm hoping they're starting to fix that. This could have been the beginning of a big course correction to go. Let's let's have this be more legit because we went too far outside the norm, and it's bad when the good guys start looking more like the Punisher than Shield. True, and and that's been my gripe. But I think they're headed in the right direction now. Plus, we get to talk about John Jay and Madison and and. I know. Stuff. Look at you,
0: man.
1: Before I was a legal geek, I was a history geek. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure with Agents of Shield this week, this uh, season, and of course leading into the new Captain America: Civil War, we'll have plenty more to talk about, and I'm sure you'll get in. Many more historical references. I'm trying to figure out how we can get some lyrics from Hamilton into this discussion at some point. So that's my new obsession.
1: I've yet to see that, and I would love to. I would love
0: to see it too. I have not seen it, obviously, because I love Madison, but it is not New York. We don't have Broadway here. But I have been streaming the music on Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can stream the music, and it is fantastic. I'm like, I cannot believe they found a way to make songs about this stuff. So... It is brilliant.
1: It warms my heart, and I'm trying not to cry. So with that, (laughs) America, Jessica, everyone, stay geeky. Stay geeky, America.